How many of you believe that what really matters is not the circumstance you're in, but how you react in the circumstance that you're in? That's the gist behind all of this. What really matters is in the middle of your storm, as the song said, what will we do? In, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, Peter said, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, Look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Our key verse has been, verse 11, what manner of persons ought ye to be? Everybody say that. What manner of persons ought ye to be? God bless you as you're seated. In Jesus' name. What manner of person? I shared with you Sunday what the Lord put in my heart, and I'm just going to jump right on in here. And so if you're taking notes, just jump right on here with me. The tactic of hell today. I believe that the other day while I was just studying and talking to the Lord, the Lord, the Lord gave me insight. It's simple, but it's obvious. The tactic of hell today is these three areas, these three things. Number one, to create confusion. Number two, to create division. Number three, to promote fear. So the enemy's been doing that, creating confusion, creating division, promoting fear. That could be the headline of every newspaper and every media story Right now, at this time that we're living in, here we are coming toward the end of the month of July. And the hell, hell's tactic for this past four months at least has been to create confusion, to create division, and to promote fear. So if the tactic of hell, and I'm going to say it again, if the tactic of hell is to create con confusion, create division, and promote fear, then we as the church, on the other side of that, we as the church need to bring clarity, seek unity, and model faith. Because the opposite of that is to bring clarity, to seek unity, and to model faith. Our focus has been this 11th verse of the third uh, chapter of Second Peter, where Peter said, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Everything that we know, this nice building that God's blessed us with that I think is such a cool thing, this is going to be done away with. This is all part of the temporary stuff of this life. All of these things are going to be dissolved. It doesn't matter if you've got a car that is held together by bumper stickers or if you've got a car that is the best that you can have in the city of Lexington, everything that we know that's temporal is going to be done away with. So seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be? In other words, seeing that everything in this life is temporary, everything is temporary, then what manner of person ought ye to be? Your, your focus should not be on the stuff. Your focus should not be on things. It ought to be on holy conversation and godliness. 
You see, we as believers are looking, we're living, we're loving. We're focused, we're faithful, we're flourishing. We're going to focus on those three words real quick. What manner of person ought you to be? And then Peter gave us this thought of being focused, of being faithful, and of actually in this time we're living in, of flourishing. Let's look at these words or these scriptures one more time. While your Bible's open there, look at these words in 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to break it down. You got your Bibles? You ready? Let's go down through here. Now, I'm not going to ask you how many of you brought your Bible, but I do notice some of you didn't bring your Bible. So it'll be up here on the screen, but I would encourage you to just start bringing your Bible and, and a notebook. Do like Vicky does and Loretta's doing over here. Just bring your Bible and notebook and, and write notes. If you're not writing notes, at least pretend that you're engaged in what I'm saying. So here we go. Look at these words one more time in verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? What kind of people we should be? This is what he's saying. What kind of people should we be? And then he asked the question, what kind of people should we be in our behavior and in our relationship to God? What kind of people ought we to be in, in, our, in our behavior toward each other and in our relationship with God, in our attitude and in our action? And so when we read through 2 Peter chapter 3, we find that this is how we ought to be found in the last days, in this period right now, 2020, the oddest year in the history of history, this is how we ought to be found. Number one, we ought to be found focused. Everybody look at that person beside you and say, are you focused? Turn back and say, are you even here? Because I caught some of y'all not being here. I don't know where y'all were, but y'all weren't here just for, just for a brief moment. You're back now, and so I'm glad that you are. But focus, verse 12, look at it. He said, looking for. Everybody say, looking for. And let me just stop right here. Last week, I kind of focused on this scripture, and I kind of messed Christmas up for some of you moms and dads. I got accosted for it after church last Wednesday night. I'm sorry, okay? But your kids don't listen to me anyway. How can you expect them to listen to me if you barely do? So, whoa, man, that's a phew, mic drop. Okay, so I'm done with that. Looking for, everybody say looking for. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for, everybody say look for. New heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for, everybody say look for, such things be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. So three different times, four different times actually, he used the term look, looking for or look for. Looking for. We are looking. You know what that means? It means that we are looking forward to. Look for means to expect, it means to wait for, it means to anticipate, it means to await. He said we're looking for, we're looking. That means we're, we, we've got our focus on, on something that is, that is there in front of us. We're excited. John said it this way in John 21.1. John, John saw this revelation. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. 
And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them and shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Looking for. Are you looking for it? Looking for, looking for the day of the coming of the Lord. We are looking for the coming of the Lord. We're looking forward and looking for that new heaven and that new earth. And this causes us to be diligent in our life. We want to be at peace with him. We want to be found at peace with God. We want to be found without spot. And we want to be found blameless. So we're looking. We're focused. Number two, we're faithful. And as you're going into 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, starting at verse 15, he said, An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction." Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. So notice this, especially in that 17th verse when we talk about faithful. Peter is writing to us and he says, you're not to be caught off guard. You know that the Lord is coming you know what we're looking for. You've been given insight from revelation of the word of God. And so as a result of that, our responsibility is to be watchful, to be vigilant, to not be led away in error. No matter how things are in this life right now, don't be caught up in it. Are y'all with me? No matter how things are right now, don't be caught up with it. Don't be carried away with the fraudulent ways of the wicked and the, those that are lawless and unrestrained. Don't be caught up with the mindset and the error of this, of this age, of this time that we're in, because you may fall from your own steadfastness. Stay the course. Be firm. Be faithful. Bible tells us that the way we stay faithful has already been built into our DNA. This is our apostolic DNA. In Acts 2.41, when they that received his word, that gladly received his word, they were baptized. And there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. The Lord's had this in my heart the entire time I've been a, been a pastor for 25 years. It's just been driven in me that you got to get the word into the people. It doesn't matter if you preach them to a state of responsiveness or not. I, you know, 
I, I like that. I like the. I, I like to growl and and do all of that and stomp my feet every now and then. And I'm glad that I can stomp my feet now and not terrorize the the uh, super church class underneath me. In the old building, I'd stomp my feet and they they're scared. Now I can jump because there's nothing under me but a dead space, and it's like I can I can do that. And I I, I like. It's because there's the passion that's burning up inside of me. But I've seen it. You've seen it before, how that, that people just want to preach for that rah-rah factor, that come on, let's get going. You're not listening to me because you're not running around the building and doing all of this stuff. And then, then, and then you find out that there's not gotten or, or not any word that's really gotten into their hearts and into their minds. And here we are seeing even more the importance of the consistency of staying in the Word of God. While everything in life just seems to be in an uproar, the Word of God has not changed one bit. Not one iota of the Word of God is changed. It is forever settled in heaven, and heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word shall not pass away. And they that gladly received his word, they continued in the word. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gives us that insight into that about a risen Savior that uh, triumphed. And he gave to the church this. In verse 11 of Ephesians 4, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And notice this. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him and all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So you have faithfulness there. But then that segues right on into the third one, and it's flourishing. Because God's will for us as the church, even in this hour that we live in, is for growth. Come on, are you, do you believe that? It's God's will that we just not drag our way through this. It's God's will that we be growing as we go through this. We're not here to fail. We're here to flourish. We're not here to grovel in the dirt. We're here to run in freedom. We're not here to struggle and suffer our way through this. There are some things we are going to have to endure, but we are not leaving this life defeated. I guarantee you that. Somebody's about, about ready to throw in the towel. There's an old saying that says, don't throw in your towel. Just take that towel and wipe the blood off your face and get right back in the fight. Number three, flourishing. So we're focused, we're faithful, we're flourishing. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter said, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace. That's the first point. 
grow in grace. The word grow just simply means to increase. It means to become greater. It means to enlarge. Grow in grace. Grace is the graciousness, the manner. It's actually becoming more like Jesus. Grow in grace. Become greater, enlarge. Grow in knowledge. He gives those two things, grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow to increase, to become greater, to enlarge. The word knowledge there just simply means the wisdom, the knowledge. It, it's that insight and understanding, and it gives you confidence. So grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord who deserves all the glory. He's the source of grace. He is the source of grace and knowledge. He's the giver of grace and knowledge, and he is the object that grace and knowledge is leading us to become like. Look at that person beside you and say with me what I said a while ago. We're not here to fail. We're here to flourish. So here's where it's going to all tie together. It's not a matter of position. It's a matter of disposition. Because even while I've been telling you these things, and I've been saying most of the stuff I've been saying has been from the Word of God, some of y'all are still struggling with this cloud of doubt that's hanging up over you. We dealt with some of these things in prayer last night, and it was a powerful prayer meeting. It's too bad that not all of us were able to be here. Powerful prayer meeting. It's not a matter of where we are right now. It's a matter of where our head is, where our heart is. It's not a matter of position. It's a matter of disposition. The word position means simply the place where you are. Position also means a place that something has been put. So here we are. How many of you, if you could um, have a do-over for 2020, you would take it? I mean, I would. If somebody were to say, okay, let's just go back in. Let's, let's delete 2020. I say, okay, let's go back and start about March the 15th and delete it this way. So let's delete like July and June and May and April. Let's go back to Pop's birthday on the 18th. Let's just back up to the 18th. And everything from the 18th this way, let's just, let's just delete it. If we could, we would. We know that. And we didn't ask for this. How many of you at the beginning of the year? 2020, the year of vision. And now, now you're wearing a mask and your glasses fog up. So not only is everything distorted, you can't even see normal. So 2020, the year of vision. So how many at the beginning of the year of 2020, you said, God, I, I just, I, I want you to give us the most tumultuous year of my life. No, we didn't do that. Not a single one of us did. Not a single one of us asked for this. We didn't ask for the way things have been, but that's our position. That's where we are. Position is where you are. It's where you've been put. Do you realize that storms, and Nick did a great job preaching about Jonah and the storm this past 
this past Sunday night. A storm can move a ship into, the, into a position that that ship has no control over it. The ship is at the mercy of the storm, and we understand that concept. We also, in light of that, understand that life can put us in a position that we had no control over. But this position, this position just simply means the inherent qualities of mind and character. It's our mood or inclination. It's our temperamental makeup. Position may be something you can't control, but disposition is something you have 100% control of. Our first president's wife, Martha Washington, made this statement. She goes down in history as making this statement. I've learned from experience that the greater part of our happiness or misery depends on our disposition, not our circumstances. We may not have any control over the position that life puts us in, but we have total control over our disposition. We don't have the luxury of controlling our circumstances, but we have control over our attitude. Why are you saying that, Brother David? I'm saying that just simply because I read to you these verses of Scripture that had to do with the last time. The last day, and Paul or Peter was writing to us there in Second Peter, and he's talking about the last day. We don't have control over the times or the seasons. We don't have control over it. We don't have control over the fact that we are living in the hour that we're living in right now. And he writes to us in, in 2 Peter, starting chapter 3, verse 1. Let's back up. We started at verse 11 a moment ago. Look at verse 1. He said, the second epistle, I beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. We see that. It's right out here in front of us. These scoffers saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the, from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that the word of God, by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, for by the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and earth now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the dead judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. Everybody say, the day of the Lord will come. It will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient, to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, 
having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. I know I'm reading you a lot of scriptures, but I'll read you another section. I read to you what Peter said about the last days, what Paul said, and now here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Verse 3, set up on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately. And they said, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nations going to rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there's going to be famines and pestilences or COVID-19 and earthquakes in divers places. And all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. That's starting to become a reality, y'all. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. That's as real as today's headlines. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold or get colder and colder and colder. And that's where we are. And Jesus says, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. I've given you these three last day passages in first or Second Peter, Second Timothy, and Matthew 24. And what we can't control... We can't control what happens. We can't control times and seasons or our position. But we can control how we are in our hearts, in our minds, and in, in the condition of our life. We can't control the position, but we can control our disposition. And did you see it woven throughout all these passages of Scripture? It's the same theme, the theme of be aware, be watchful, be faithful, be committed. As Peter said it in 2 Peter 3, let's be focused, let's be faithful, and let's be flourishing. Notice what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, jumping on down from what we talked about as he gave that list of last day things. In verse 14, what's the first phrase? Look at it, but read it out loud. Just that way, stop just a minute. Read those first two words out loud with emphasis. Let's say it again. Say it again. This is the last days. This is perilous times. This is where those people have just spun into total weirdness. And he says, but continue. Continue in the things that you have learned and has been assured of. How many of you believe the word of God? How many of you know that when you repented of your sins, the Lord forgave you of your sins? How many of you know that when you were baptized in the name of Jesus, you knew you buried your old man in the remitting name of Jesus? How many of you know that you know that you know? If you know that you know that you know, why don't you just clap your hands to the Lord right now? How many of you know you received the Holy Ghost? Nobody had to tell you. Wave at me real quick. How many of you know that the Word of God has been proven in your life to not fail? How many of you have found God to be faithful in your life? 
So as a result of that, it doesn't matter what position you're in, what's going on around you, what the circumstances are. You may be in a position that you would choose not to be. But continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. And that from a child, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I grew up in this. As far as I know, the first place my mom and daddy took me was to church. My mom and daddy's in church with me tonight. I'd seen a post that Brother Nathan Clark had put out. He's, he put out a, a, a post about his company and there's job availability, pretty good paying job availability. And I looked at it, and there's been times that I've thought, man, I'd like to have a different job. Benji texted me the other day and, and said, uh, you know, if any, anybody wants to be a healthcare worker right now, pay is good. Nope, I don't want to do that. I said, do you know anybody wants to pastor? I joke about it because the honest to goodness truth, there has never been a time that I've wanted to walk away from the pulpit. There's never been a time that I've wanted to walk away from pastoring. There's never been a time, I believe with everything within me, standing in front of you, if I'm lying, may the Lord just drop me over right here, right now. But even if I had a windfall of millions, I can't see myself doing anything but being right here. Because from a child, from the time that O.T. Cottrell held me in his hands in front of my mom and dad, who my mom was this beautiful 19-year-old girl. My dad was this, he was actually really handsome, y'all. 24-year-old man. And they're holding me there in my arm, or their arms, and Brother O.T. Cottrell's dedicating me there at the, at the Iron Hill Pentecostal Church. I was raised in this from a child. I've known the Holy Scriptures. And I'm telling you with everything that is within me, there's been things that we've gone through in our lives, things we've gone through in ministry and even pastoring in 2020. I don't know if anything we've gone through in ministry even equals to pastoring in 2020. But we've known from a child the Holy Scriptures and they've held us. Has the Word of God ever held you? Has there ever been a time that you know that you wouldn't even be here if the Word of God had not been holding your heart? And from a child, you've known the Holy Scriptures, and they're able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good, word, all, all good works. Turn back to that person beside you and say, but continue. I feel like somebody needs to hear that today. Continue. It's time to get our head in the game. God gave me this. I honestly believe back a few days ago, God gave me those three simple thoughts that the enemy's working on creating confusion, creating division, promoting fear. That's his game plan. Our game plan 
as believers. We as the church are here to bring clarity, to seek unity, to model faith. To do so, I have to ask you tonight, we're going to be done here in about six minutes. I have to ask you tonight, where is your head? I know your heart's here because you brought your heart with your body. I know your heart. God's got a hold of your heart. That affection part of your body, God's got a hold of your heart. But some of y'all, some of y'all need to turn your head over to his control. Where's your head? I know that sounds a little weird, but let me flesh it out for you, and I'm going to tie this together. We looked at this in our Bible study this morning, Philippians 4.4. Paul is writing to the church, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds. Or keep your heart and your head. Because I only use the word head. Through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think. On these things. That's why I wanted to use head. Think. On these things. So I have to ask you, where's your head? Is your head in the game? Philippians 4, 9, he says, These things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Real quickly, looking at those verses that we just read. He started out there in verse 4 when he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Rejoice. You know what that word means? That means to be cheerful, it means to be calmly happy. Rejoice in the Lord. We, as Habakkuk said, if the fig tree doesn't blossom, there'll be no fruit in the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail. The herd shall uh, yield no meat. I, I'm getting it twisted up a little bit. He said, yet I will rejoice. I will joy in the God of my salvation. To be cheerful, to be calmly happy, rejoice. Let your moderation, Paul said in verse, in verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. What's the word moderation? It means mild, gentle, patient. You're rejoicing in the Lord. You're calm, you're cheerful, you're happy. And those that are around you see that patient, gentle, mild nature. And then the next thing he says, be careful for nothing. That doesn't mean be careless. That means don't be anxious about anything. How do you not be anxious about things? He said you pray about everything. And you pray with thanksgiving. 
And he said, and the peace of God that is beyond understanding is going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Can you just get a picture of your head and your heart and the peace of God guarding that? Setting up a watch over your head and over your heart. And then he said, finally, brethren, finally, whatever. Everybody say whatever. Whatever is true. That's whatever is a fact, whatever is real, whatever is worthy of credit. Some of you need to start fact-checking some things that come into your life. You want to fact-check fact check people on Facebook or social media, start fact-checking things that come into your life. There's an old song that says, whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. If the word of God says he heals all our diseases, who changed that? 2020 sure doesn't change the word of God. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable or honest, whatever is just, that means whatever is right or equitable or innocent, whatever is pure, that means whatever is holy, clean, proper, or perfect, whatever is lovely, that's whatever is acceptable or pleasing, Whatever is of good report, that's something that is admirable, well spoken of, from a kind spirit, something that's laudable. Whatever is of virtue, the goodness, the graciousness, whatever is upright, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, that is a commendable thing. He said, think on these things. I used to coach my girls in softball. And I played softball with these kids in church. Leah's an excellent softball player. Did you ever coach Leah, Brad? No, that wouldn't have worked either. But I've coached my girls, and I've coached other girls. And I've got this, sometimes this preacher voice can be intimidating, I guess, and then that scowl that I guess is perpetual with me can be intimidating. But there have been times that you have to look at somebody. How many, how many of you have ever played sports? Ever coached sports? Well, uh, y'all have done other competitive things. How many of you have ever gone competitive shopping? You've done something competitive. How many of you have ever heard the expression, get your head in the game? You ever heard that? Get your head in the game. I went and watched Braden, Braden Davis. We went and watched him play softball last, uh, I think it was last Tuesday. Went out and watched Braden, or baseball, play baseball. And seven and eight-year-old kids, how many of your kids play sports? These seven and eight-year-old kids, man, that uh, Braden's team had, had gone back out on the field. I think it, I think it was Braden's team. I, I don't know. I looked up and I saw the little guy that's playing shortstop. He's sitting out there in the shortstop position. And he's just on the ground playing with the dirt. And the coach had to yell at him, hey, we got a batter up. Turn around, look. Of course, 99% of those kids, it didn't matter. You know, they're just going to watch the ball go by, going to chase it out to the fence. Then they're going to throw it over here. It's funny. But he's out there, and the coach is teaching him. The coach is 
training him, hey, there's a game going on. You got to stay alert. There's a game going on. And there's something going on today that you and I are part of. It's called the last days. I believe with everything within me that if there ever was a time that you made sure you had your head in the game, it's right now. Where's your head? Paul said, you think on every, think on these things. And then he concluded it in verse 9 by saying, those things you've learned. That's what you've learned by your own experiences, by your own study, by your own insight. That's what life and what the Word and what the Lord has taught you. Those things that you have learned, those things that you've learned for yourself, those things that you have received, those things you've witnessed in my life. He gave the church one word, Philippians 4, 9. Put it back up there for me one more time. He gave the, word, the church one word. He said, these things that you have seen, these things that you have learned, these things that you yourself, he said, you do. Those things that you've learned, received, heard, seen, do. Everybody say do. You do. You know what the word do means? The word do means you practice. You perform it repeatedly. You execute. You look at this as a continued action. You do. Would you stand with me right now? If the enemy is about creating confusion, creating division, promoting fear, and we're about bringing clarity and seeking unity and modeling faith, then we need to fight the good fight for faith. We need to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And we need to be seeking for clarity from the Word of God and from the Spirit of God. We need to do. Would you bow your heads with me right now? I've read through 2 Peter chapter 3 over and over and over this past few weeks. I've read through 2 Peter itself over and over this past few weeks. And again today as reading it and Peter made the statement, he said, after I'm dead and gone, I want my words to still be ringing clearly in your ears. There was a lady that was dying of a terminal disease and her friends came to visit her. And one of her friends looked at her and said, can I ask you a question? How does it feel to be here knowing that you're dying? And she looked back at them and said, let me ask you a question. How does it feel to be you denying that you're not? Brother Chris Reynolds told me the other day something that resonated with me, and I shared it Sunday. He said, Brother David, I've quit working on my resume, and I've started working on my obituary. Whether the Lord comes real soon, we all have to understand that we need to begin looking at this with a renewed sense 
of watchfulness, vigilance. We need to be doing, doing, doing. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm just going to ask you, is your head in the game? Is your head in the game? Where is your head? Reach over and join that person beside you because you're with your spouse, someone close, and let's pray for each other. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I just pray right now there would be a renewing in our hearts and in our minds. God, I pray that there would be a new clarity of focus for every single one of us that's in this room right now. God, I pray in this place tonight that you would help us God, to do just exactly as, as Paul simply stated it there in Philippians 4.8. To just practice thinking on those things that are pure and lovely and good report and true and, and, ho and holy and right and noble. Help us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing this together right now. We're going to close it out singing this song. Just want to be with you. Hallelujah. King of glory, build this place. Just want to be with you. Just want to be with you. Yes, the world will bow down and say you are God. Hallelujah. Every man will bow down and say you are King. So let's start right now. Why would we wait? We can pray. our prayer. I just want to be just with you. Wanna be with you. There's a renewing going on. Just wanna be with there is an awakening going on as Brother Nick preached the other night. There's an awakening King happening. Glory, There's hearts and minds that are turning back to where they need place. to be. Just wanna our be heads getting you. back in the game, back in the fight. Just wanna All singing. Be with you. So we'll sing hallelujah until you come again. Hallelujah. And we'll dance in your presence until you come again. We'll sing hallelujah until you come again. Hallelujah. Oh, we'll dance in your presence, dance in your presence, dance in your presence, dance in your presence, King of glory. Hallelujah. Fill this place. Just, just want to be, be with you. Just want to be with you. 
Oh, let's lift our hands with our hearts to the Lord. Is that your prayer tonight? Lord, I just want to be with you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.